You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. Hi friends, Catherine here. I'm so sad that I could not be on today's episode, but I did want to hop on here real quick and tell you about um, our sponsor for today. So I know that you're all cooped up at home and practicing social distancing as you should. So while you're doing that, why not start a new daily ritual to help support your health? Um, And you can do that with Ritual Daily Vitamins. While we continue to do our best to eat clean during this uncertain time and also eat some Ben and Jerry's because duh, um, there are just some nutrients that are hard to get enough of from food alone, which is why Ritual Essential for Women is perfect because it's a clean daily multivitamin that is designed to help fill the nutrient gaps in your daily diet. Ritual multivitamins are vegan-friendly, gluten-free, and non-GMO, and they also have a daily release capsule design um, that is supposed to be, It's it really helps with being gentle on your stomach. So you can take them on an empty stomach, you don't have to take food with them, and they seriously, this is my favorite part, taste just like peppermint. They're so minty fresh, um, and they don't have that weird taste that some vitamins have. Um, The best part is that it's a monthly subscription, so Ritual is delivered straight to your door every month, so you don't have to fight your way through the store to stock back up. So by the time you finish one bottle, the next one will be in your mailbox. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Incredible. So fill in the gaps in your diet. With Essentials for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. All you have to do to claim this awesome deal is visit ritual.com backslash soul, S-O-L-E. That's ritual.com backslash soul, and that'll get you 10% off your first three months. All you have to do again is go to ritual.com backslash soul to start your ritual today. Well, welcome back to another episode of Heart and Soul, guys. It's Chelsea and our honorary third co-host, Macy Cole, which should be a very familiar voice (laughs) by now. (laughs) Hi, guys. It is an honor to be here. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Um, Our dear Catherine is not able to be on today, so we're just sending her all the love in the world. Um, But Macy and I are going to take things over from here. Um, Yes. So let's just start off with the usual keep things as as uh, business as usual in terms of the podcast (laughs) yes that sounds Um, good let's start off with some happies and crappies for for the week okay um so some happies have been i feel like i'm getting a really incredible routine down um before like the whole world shut down i felt like my train was heading on a very unsustainable track and life had just gotten really overwhelming. And I, and I really, um, didn't even realize it until I had this time to step back. And a part of that routine has just been the reminder of how powerful my time in the word prayer, meditation, and all of that is. And it really is my foundation. So I am so thankful to have rebuilt that and come back to really what I was doing prior to stepping into my dreams um, and what I kind of let slip. Another really exciting thing is Troy and I have created every Tuesday and Thursday, he demos my 6am yoga class um, because we're doing virtual classes on the Emotion Studio Zoom or whatever. Um, And then afterwards we go for a run, which has been a really special uh, thing that he and I have been doing together. So just some cool little routines that I'm loving. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What what about crappy? (laughs) Gosh. That's obvious at this point, but you know, (laughs) we can kind of get a little specific, I guess. Um, Honestly, my crappy is the fact that I have not cleaned my house yet. (laughs) So it's already a mess. (laughs) And now it's like really a mess. Um, So I'm waiting for the motivation to clean the house, which will come, I think in another week or so I can feel it. (laughs) Yeah. It'll happen. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I'm just going to continue living in 
in this mess for a while though. <laughs> that's fine. If you can live with it, you live with it as long exactly. as you need to. If that's, yes. not, that's not, you know, high on the list of priorities right now for your mental health, then that's right. That's totally fine. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Let me turn my little text notifications off. Um, yeah, I love that. I guess I'll start with my crappy. I always like to end on my happy. Um, mainly I've definitely been really bummed that we're in this new house and kind of going through a really exciting season. And now that we're kind of settled into it, I am feeling the like bummer, the, I don't know, the bummed outness, (laughs) for lack of a better term, (laughs) that we can't have people to like come share it with. Um, like our parents really want to be here and our siblings and our friends that we haven't seen. We truly have not seen any friends in, since this all started other than, um, Troy and Jordan's friend that helped us move the one day. Like we truly have not seen anybody. So that's been kind of getting to me a little bit just because I obviously love being quarantined with my husband, but now we're in such a great space. We're like, sucks that we can't share this with anybody. Um, and so I've had some moments of, excuse me, my voice is very cracky today. So (laughs) apologize in advance. Um, I have these moments of like intense anxiety, which is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Right. Um, where it mostly happens at night too. Like when I lay down to go to sleep, I can feel this just like overwhelming weight where I feel like, okay, I need to just take some deep breaths and it's like manifesting physically, Mm -hmm. um, which is when I know it gets really bad when it gets to that point where I can't just like think myself out of it. I have to like physically breathe myself out of it. Right. Um, so I've had a few of those last few nights where I have to just sit back and like close my eyes and do some Ujjayi breathing and (laughs) or or do whatever. Um, and it's helped, but it's, you know, that's the kind of crappy feeling for sure. Yeah. It's scary. That's very scary. Yeah. So, you know, just trying to stay as on top of that as I can, especially because I don't want my baby to feel any of that stress. Right. right It's like another layer of, oh my gosh, like I can't be stressed. I don't want him to feel it. And yeah, it's 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 like makes it worse. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, yeah. A you're like, oh no, I'm stressed thing. about being stressed yes. for my baby. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's weird. Yeah. I'm sure that's what it's gonna be for the rest of my life, mostly. <laughs> like from what I've heard from other parents. Um and then my happy is obviously that we're in our new house and it's starting to feel like a home and it just I wake up every day like so grateful for this space and like our yard is just so nice to have an outlet to get outside and soak up some sun and just escape for a little while. Um, so that's been so nice and, and baby's been moving and grooving like, Oh, I told you when I was taking your class on Sunday, (laughs) I was just cracking up because especially when I, I did like a bridge at the end, and oh, wow. I don't normally get on my back much, but if it's like just going to be for a second, I, yeah. I feel like, okay, I'll stretch and then I'll sit back up. And he was like doing flips and stuff because he was doing his little thing. He was feeling it. He was loving that Easter yeah. faith flow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been cool. It's like really catching me off guard because normally like before the last couple of weeks, I would only feel him at night. Like if I was very still laying down at night, end of the day. Right. And now it's more like I can feel it throughout the day and I can see it sometimes, which really creeps Jordan out. <laughs> He's like, oh my gosh. That is Alien so in your belly. Yeah, seriously. So that's been really sweet and fun. Um, definitely happy that I've been trying to ignore all the other fears with because yeah. that's a, a very big light at the end of this for us. Good. So, yeah, so... <clears throat> Moving into um, what we're going to be talking about today, Macy actually brought this topic up, which I absolutely love. And, you know, our girl Catherine kind of coined this, this idea and this term. And so even though she's not here today, we'll be paying some homage to her in, yeah. in this discussion of um, shameless living and what exactly, you know, we talk about this idea 
a lot through all of our podcasts, but I don't think we've truly dove into like the true definition of shame and yeah. how it manifests within our lives and the different ways it, it sneaks up on us and, and, you know, what it actually means to, to feel shame. So, yes. um, we want to dive a little bit deeper into that and then how, um, Macy, how you've dealt with yep. shame and how you've kind of come to realize that your anxiety and, and depression and moments of feeling super down on yourself yep. has recently come to fruition of, right. of figuring out like what it is that is the underlying cause <laughs> yeah. of all of that. Um, so right. for the first question I want to ask you, I guess, is, you know, we were on, we were talking about this earlier on the phone today and how, yeah how you've kind of had this epiphany of what shame truly is mm-hmm. now. What did it mean to you before? Like a couple yeah. of years ago, before you started the journey of like being a business owner and all the things that kind of ended up stemming, um, the anxiety ended up stemming from down the road. Right. What was shame in your mind mm-hmm. back then? Mm-hmm. Um, I love this question. So now that I'm where I'm at in my um, path and my journey, and it has taken a lot of um, speed bumps and challenges and breakdowns <laughs> and really mm-hmm. having to face myself, uh, which is terrifying. And I didn't realize how terrifying it was. But before this whole journey, uh, shame was like a word that I just never identified with and and really didn't fully understand it and kind of thought of it as like being embarrassed of yourself or um like an extension of guilt um Mm -hmm. and and something that like people feel if they think you know that they carry some type of scarlet letter type thing right um but i'd never identified it personally and i also um didn't really understand how prevalent it is and how much shame and and the concept of shame actually robs us of joy and was personally robbing me of joy because I couldn't even name it or identify it. And Mm. so like, even though it was causing all this destruction in my life, because it was a word that I was like, Oh, shame. Like I don't struggle with that. Like, AKA, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> right. It was not, it was something that was holding me captive and I was completely blind to it. So I think for me, shame used to be something that somebody else had about themselves. If they did something like on a, uh, you know, big platform that re- received a lot of scrutiny and caused them to feel that they wore some type of scarlet letter. But I thought shame was like this big, obvious thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's actually what I've come to found, find for me is more of like this very hidden shadow that wears many masks, um, for each person. Yeah. I love that. It's so true. I think many times when we think of shame, the, um, what's the word, like the, the picture that I get in my head is Uh like when, a dog like steals your food off the table and you go like, Hey, did, did you do that? Like, yeah. like when we say it regularly, like, did you do this? And then her eyes get all small and she's like looking up at you. You could see the whites in her eyes and her, her tails between her, her tails legs. tucked. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's what you think of when you think that of shame. That's such a right? good depiction. Like, yes. Oh, like I did something that I should be embarrassed about or. Right. Or whatever it might be. Right. But in in thinking about what it what it truly is, is it's so much bigger and broader. And like you said, there's so many different layers for each person. And when I was trying to come up with it today of like what my I guess very broad definition of it is, is yeah. um feeling like we are less than in any point in time in the present and the past. Ooh. Okay. Right? Like I love that. We never feel shame about anything that's to come. Right. It's always about where we have been and the stories that we've walked and the things that we did or we didn't do or the, 
the things that we said or didn't say or in all the areas that we didn't measure up. But if you think wow. of it, shame is not, it, it's never like something that we, we look at moving forward, right? It's always That's right. something that we've struggled with in the past. So for you, how, how has that surfaced for you over, over the years? Like what does yeah. that journey look like for you? I love what you just said, because I think that that puts it in such a good digestible format, like going from Wrigley being a bad dog and having a tail tucked (laughs) to realizing that shame doesn't live in the future. It lives primarily in the past and the present. Um, And when you speak of it in that way, shame also robs us of our future because it places a seed of doubt and fear inside of us that somehow future us won't also measure up. Right. So I think like the reason why shame creates so much anxiety, which is, and from my understanding, like, um, the fear of the future anticipation and so much depression, which is like being held, um, to the past is because it sticks us in, um, like a label of decisions that we've made in the past that we keep looking back to and are so terrified that somehow that will be our identity in the future. Exactly. Um, And Brene Brown, who I've recently started to kind of dive into, um, put it really well for me. And this gave me a lot of clarity. Um, She explained the difference between shame and guilt and that guilt is basically, I feel bad for something I've done. And shame is I feel bad for who I am. And so it's like guilt is having an action that we identify with maybe wanting to um, evolve from shame is I have done something that has, that I'm, that makes me unlovable or that makes me a failure or that makes my accomplishments not enough. And so it's the identification that somehow I as a person do not measure up and can't let the world see that part of myself or therefore I'm unlovable. Mm. And I spent, I mean, I'm going to be 30 this year and I, I'm ashamed to say it, but (laughs) (laughs) not allowed. Yep. I have, um, spent my whole life like, and I'm not exaggerating. I have genuinely spent my entire life thinking that my worth came from my love ability came from the things that I do, the love that I give and what I can accomplish. And so I have spent my entire life in the format of striving. And so like, I just remember when I really hit the bottom, I was like, I'm 29 years old. I feel like I've lived a hundred years. Like I don't have 29 more years left in me. I, I am like, at the end of my road, I don't have any more energy to expend. I have given my best effort and it wasn't enough. Like I basically came to the place where I was like, I have failed as a person and, and I gave it my best effort. So now what, you know, that's really where shame had gotten me. And I didn't realize that, that my issue was shame, you know? So it really set me free when I started to get on this really cool journey of unpacking what you know, Catherine's phrase means like shameless living. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember your question. (laughs) (laughs) You were getting there. You're on the way there. And I, I love everything you said because it's, it's such a sad thing to really fathom when we start to dig deeper into it. Like, wow, this whole time I felt like I was, my worth lied in or lies yeah in success um relationships yep things honor respect yep rather than who we've who we are underneath all, all of that and I think that's so important to bring up and this is something that continues to trickle through every single conversation we have on this podcast like and it's especially no this isn't necessarily um what our struggle is today for you and I but like especially when it comes to things like diet culture and oh gosh yes because gosh dude those 
like, like you said, it's these actions of, you know, feeling guilt actually around something you ate, not working out hard enough, not skipping a day and taking a rest day or whatever it might be, then starts to manifest as shame because it's not acting A, B, and C and checking all these boxes and therefore we are not good enough. That's right. If our physical body is not showing that, then that means we we are not measuring up. So that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's focusing on the product rather and and making what's supposed to be the byproduct the product. Exactly. We talk about that all the time. And that's really where I got to with my shame is like the byproduct of being a whole person and knowing that like if I don't accomplish one thing in my life, if I don't act any other way than who I genuinely am, that is worth unconditional love. Like there's nothing I can do to earn that. And then once I've wrapped, once I'm starting to wrap my head around that and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like people don't love me for like, you know, they, they might enjoy my being around me for how I might make them feel or some type of things I say or do or whatever. But like that, the Macy Cole who can, you know, have a breakdown or have ugly thoughts or act in a mean way sometimes, or just be genuinely human is still worth love because we are all human doing the best that we can. And so like the byproduct of knowing that is, oh, well, now that I have the pressure off of having to be this perfect being, or at least like play this game where I can seem to be this perfect person who's always doing great and feeling great and accomplishing all the time, then like I can exhale and I actually am going to accomplish probably more, but I don't even care because that's just the byproduct of a healthy mind. (laughs) Right. And it's a couple of things that come to mind through this that are kind of random, but one is that I remember the very first time you came on our podcast last year, episode like four or five in. Yeah. Those were two things, two very things you brought to the table that, you know, one of the bigger things was um, focusing on, on the process rather than the product. And that was more in line with, I think, uh, what we were talking about, like you, you and Troy's philosophy with yep. um, the studio and, and the gym and all that. Um, but same thing goes with, with life and just who we are. Right. And then the other thing that you said was, um, something about how we are, we are perfect when we are whole and and complete and something along those lines where I was like, so, so it's so interesting to hear that we knew those things, right? Like we had, we had this conversation a year ago, yet here we are, you know, that's right. Because all these things have started to bubble up to the surface and I'm like, Oh, that's what we meant when we said that. Yes. Yes. Like we are perfectly imperfectly made. Yes. And like through our imperfections, we are made complete. And I knew that, like you said, in my head and I thought I was living it, but like, I didn't realize the root of my anguish, which Beth Moore talks about a lot is like, imagine your anguish transforming to your joy. My shame has, has become my greatest liberation. So the thing that has held me the most back Mm -hmm. is now giving me the greatest liberation, which is so beautiful. And like throughout it, God has given me so many little breadcrumbs of like, I, part of shame is that there are so many things that are so painful that we stow away in like the dark attic of our heart, um, that like God was just preparing me to be ready for when I finally opened that door. Right. Right. So like my head knew that, but my heart didn't. And that's been the two things that have kept coming up for me. There's been four words that God has been placing on my heart. One is that he wants to, he wants to be in charge and purify our head and our heart. My head and my heart were super disconnected. My head knew a lot of things. My heart knew a lot of things, but they were disconnected. I wasn't feeling them. I wasn't embodying them. I was just teaching them. Mm. And then power and authority, like who do I give the power of my mind and the authority of my heart to? And so those four words have really kind of been um, guideposts for this journey that I've um, recently been on, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, that is really cool. 
those are such powerful words to mm-hmm. keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I was thinking of in this conversation is, you know, how there's all those like memes, that are very super relatable and funny when you look at them, but the ones that are like, like a cartoon or, or someone just kind of having like this realization in the middle of the night, like, oh, remember when I said that one weird thing to that person that one time and now, now my anxiety is going to keep me awake for like the next six hours because of it. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> we've all been there, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I, I don't know why this came to mind, but in this conversation it has, I'm like, man, you know, I feel like I used to have those moments a lot, like uh-huh. especially in um, like high school and college when my life and my worth really did revolve so much around like finding a partner and, and finding loyal friends and, and achieving enough at school and kind of achieving this like status quo. Yep. And the more I've obviously like now I'm in a place where I'm in a loving relationship. Like I feel good about my faith. Obviously that's something that's a continued growing journey. Yeah. Now that those things don't, don't, matter as much anymore but I think the the biggest underlying um I guess healing thread through all of it is sharing your story sharing being vulnerable and and open and and this is something Catherine always defines as her definition of shameless living is like once our you know she always says once we've told our story like there's no reason to feel shame anymore wow and I I think the reason why it's, I don't remember the last time I had one of those moments of like over something stupid. I still feel shame over, you know, underlying things in my life right now, but over those little things that used to like rock our whole world is because like the more transparent we are, the more we share with those around us, the more open we are to just admitting we make mistakes and we're imperfect, the less we have to like the more pressure is taken off and then who really yes. you know that's I mean? right that's right well and it's just crazy looking back like the lord put on my heart that our vision and mission's root was unconditional love um i didn't realize then that basically what the lord was saying is like home girl i'm going to teach you how to love yourself unconditionally because i kept like outpouring it and um over the course of the 3 years i just like felt so depleted our um, kind of tagline at Emotion Studio is he'll connect and inspire. I didn't realize that like God was basically like, oh, like I'm about to heal you. Like you about to connect to yourself. <laughs> and then through that healing and connection and exposing your vulnerability, that story in itself like will be inspiring, not because it's perfect, but because it's messy. And, and that's, that is the human reality. And thank goodness that is the human reality because that's yeah. how we are made relatable. And then, you know, our studio is literally called emotion and my emotions have been crazy like <laughs> all over the place. I have not been able to feel centered in myself since we opened that place. And emotion means putting energy in motion. I had stowed away all of these these energies, these things that were, um, that I thought were imperfections that I needed to hide. And, and by leading people to their own healing through like our UG Academy and whatnot, I had to face my own shadows and it was so scary. I'm so thankful and I'm close to the other side, but it took me hitting some really rock bottom moments. And, um, I think really what happened back in February, my fur baby, who is like my absolute child, um, Troy and I had a Vishla Zizu um, that Chelsea knew very well. And he was like, literally like the, he filled my heart in ways that I just could have never expressed. Um, he had a lot of traumas that um, we received him with. He was about six months old when we got him. We paid a lot of money to get him trained and kind of had decided we won't have children he was our child. And I also just couldn't trust him, you know, for me to have a child and feel safe with the decisions that he would make. Anyways, um, Troy was, Troy was in Colorado. I was supposed to be in Colorado with him, got a very intense feeling on my heart not to go. So I canceled my trip. 
Mom and I were home one day. She was supposed to be there alone watching Zizu. I had just happened to be there, went into the kitchen and make lunch. Next thing I know, um, she's saying, he's got me. I turn over and Zizu was attacking my mom. Um, actually ended up taking off half of her ear. We had to rush her to the emergency room. He like looked up with, at me with a, like a wad of her hair in his mouth. Like, what have I done? I literally like had to pick up her ear from the floor. I mean, it was like the craziest situation. And um, through all of that, um, Troy and I had to make the hard decision to lay him to rest um, just because he was not in control of his actions. Um, and what this taught me is that Zizu was like the best gift I could have ever been given. He understood love and taught me love in a way I will never be able to repay him. He had traumas when we received him that couldn't be untrained. Our trainers even told us that like your dog has some things that we cannot untrain there and instinctly in him were developed in his brain um, prior to you guys getting him and animals, you know, don't have consciousness in the same way that we do. So we can't like therapy him out of this. We can give him as close to as many um, languages and resources as possible, but this is the reality of it. Um, but I learned like, and I said this, um, when I did a post about what had happened, like good people can do bad things. It doesn't make them bad. Zizu did a bad thing that doesn't define him as bad. And he is free now. Like I, I feel that in him. Um, and what he left us with was something that I can't even explain. It's very spiritual. My mom kind of went on her spiritual journey cause she had to heal. I was trying to heal, um, and one, one thing that came from all of this is I started getting panic attacks. So I would like, my chest would tighten. I thought I was having a heart attack. I couldn't breathe. I'd have to like take off all my clothes. And, um, it happened one time when we were up in New York at a subway, like out of nowhere it was the first one I had ever gotten. I like had to take off all my jackets. I started hyperventilating, even talking about it makes my body like start to heat up. Um, and I didn't realize that I had been carrying a lot of anxiety. I had been having anxiety attacks as far back as I can remember. Um, but then those anxiety attacks started turning into panic attacks, um, which then catapulted me into seeking professional help. Cause I didn't understand what these like physiological symptoms were that like, am I having a heart attack? Like I'm 29 years old. And through talking to a therapist who understood physiologically what was going on, it literally like opened me up to all of these things that mm -hmm. I didn't know were hiding in the surface. At which point I realized the root of all of it or the majority of it is shame. And that my biggest struggle is this perception that I have to be perfect or else I'm unlovable. And that has just been the wildest journey the wildest journey to even think that I think that, that I've ever thought that way and, and why I would think that way. I have two parents that love me unconditionally. I have a strong relationship with the Lord. Um, but somewhere along the way, I picked that idea up and I had been living that way. Um, and so it's just been such an interesting experience to face shame and see how many different areas of my life it had been penetrating all for the fear that if I did not measure up to this unattainable standard, somehow I wouldn't be worthy of other people's care, which is just so interesting. And it's weird. The catalyst that got me to this point right here, right now. Right. And thank you for sharing that story because I know how hard that was for all of you as a family. Yeah. But it is really crazy how, God used that to say, okay, Macy, like something's got to give here. You know, that, right. that was a very strange and tragic and yes, odd catalyst in all of this, but it sounds like it was the very, the very thing you needed to, yep. to break through. Um, and I'm glad that it has for you and yeah. I, can, I can see that it's really been healing. Um, yeah. so going so kind of backtracking then a little bit, this, if that, if this was your, you know, your breaking point, the point where you did start to seek help, we had some conversations last year when you guys were going through some transitions of how you were feeling mm -hmm. 
it was definitely not to this extent yet. And then mm-hmm. obviously there were still some things that needed to be uncovered mm-hmm. in order for you to really know what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember you just kind of questioning everything and like who you wanted to be and what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think, I guess, when were, when were some points in time along the way there where you realized something was up and that, um, like, where were the places that it was hiding, I guess, that, oh, right. like, what did it take for those things to start coming through? Whereas before, like, you were just kind of, yeah, along the mainstream. So it was really like, um, always I would feel like, a failure as a soccer player. Like even though I was like the highest goal scorer on the team and like tons of assists, all these things, like I would just have these like little nitpicky concepts of like, that wasn't enough. You didn't show up for them enough, but I could hide it and like work on my skills to be a better soccer player. I would have these moments where I'm like, I'm not a good enough daughter. I need to show up more here. I'm not a good enough sister. I need to show up more here. And I was able to like deal with those self-made pressures on my own. But when I started to have a team and people were looking for me for answers and within three years, we underwent an expansion, opened a second location, um, rebranded, went from having business partners go in one direction to deciding that we were actually going to go two different directions. They were going to go more big scale. We wanted to stay more boutique um, to having to negotiate a brand new lease. I mean, so much happened on top of like the thing that happened with Zizu and Troy's best friend took his life. I mean, like there was just a lot of things that happened in the last three years that this like little life that I created for myself, where I put all these pressures on myself and constantly felt like a failure, but a hidden failure, like nobody from the outside world, I think ever knew I felt this way. Um, And from the outside looking in, I would always try to make it seem like everything was fine. Like everything's great. And truly it was, I just wasn't great. You know what I mean? So when I finally realized like I'm failing as a wife, I'm failing as a business owner, I'm failing as a daughter, I'm failing as a friend, I'm failing. I kept like failure kept being the word, even though my husband didn't think I was failing as a wife. My parents thought I was a great daughter. My brother thought I was a great sister. My friends thought I was a great friend. I was doing the best I possibly could as a business owner. When, when the amount of areas that I thought I was failing at overwhelmed me, it was like I shut down. I was like, I can't do any, any of this anymore. I have to quit all of it. And like, as I was talking to my mom and my husband about this, they're like, what, like, what is this coming from? Like the studio is doing incredible. Like you have a great team. Like you're, you have tons of friends. Everyone thinks you're doing amazing. And I was like, well, it's all lies. And like, no, they don't like, that's when I knew something was wrong because my outer world did not reflect my inner world. Like my outer world was dream scenario and my inner world was total turmoil. Right. And they didn't like add up and I couldn't figure out why. Um, and it was really because I had been putting pressure on myself, unrealistic and, um, and like, what's the word? Like, like not even, it was not even, it, it was all lies, but I had been putting these like weird pressures on myself that weren't true. And I finally had to face them because they had gotten so big that other people in my life were getting exposed to how I had spent my whole life talking to myself, Um, which is such a weird situation. Yeah. Doesn't even make sense when I'm saying it out loud. No, but it does though, because I think we've all been there and and at least on some scale, maybe not like quite feeling the weight that you were in that moment mm-hmm. and all those different areas. But I think we've all been in a place where we have internally told ourselves some story Yeah, without, without truly um, looking outward. Right. We just are like, Oh, well, this is how I'm seeing it. This is my perspective. I'm feeling I, th- this person's mad at me. They hate me. I yeah. Here, whatever. And then all it takes is, maybe having a conversation with that person telling them how you feel and they're like whoa yeah what like no that yep. is not 
that's not how I saw it. I can't believe that's how you saw it. So yeah, I don't, you know, I think it sounds like crazy when we verbally speak that like, but I think it's relatable in that we've all, whether we've realized it or not, been at one point or another when you're like either you're sensing resentment in a relationship or a roommate or or a friend or a family member or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. We're afraid of what it's going to look like on the other side or or that confrontation. And so we just continue this narrative in our head and Mm -hmm. it can walk down some crazy intense paths that are just escalating those lies even, even further. So, um, looking back now and, and being in a place where you realized where you were at and now you're Mm -hmm. seeking that help and and feeling like you're coming out on the other side of it with this guidance, Mm -hmm. what would you tell either yourself or someone who's in that now, like to the, to the outer world, Mm -hmm. you, you were completely fine. You were the Mm -hmm. same bubbly Macy we all know and love. We would have never known. Right what was going, going on there. So what would you tell that past self now or someone that's currently in a state that you were in? Yeah. So for me, it's interesting because I have so many good resources. Like my husband is literally the most solid, consistent, wise, like grounded patient. I'm, I'm just almost convinced he's a robot. (laughs) In the best kind of way, because he has done so much self-work that he just, like, shows up. I mean, the only thing that keeps him up at night is, like, the fear that somehow, like, he hasn't supported someone enough. And not in an unhealthy way. Like, that's genuinely how selfless he he is. And I know he's done his own self-work to get him there. Um, My brother is an Ayurvedic practitioner, which, if you don't know what that is, it's Eastern medicine. um, And it's based on balancing the algorithms of your body, mind, and spirit through um, practices that have been around for thousands of years. So I work one-on-one with him and started that in January. I um, have a very close relationship with the Lord that had kind of put on hold as far as like daily. But now that that's back in the centerpiece, um, that makes a world of difference. But one thing that um, the therapist has really helped me with, and and I have to remind myself, like this therapist that I'm seeing is literally a professional on understanding how the brain works. Like it is her job to observe um, different tendencies and connect dots that we literally like we're not professionals in, right? So. Um, one thing that she made me aware of through kind of hearing my back history, because when you, you know, go to therapy, if you haven't ever, they're trying to figure out as much as they can to figure out some type of root or origin because behavior starts somewhere. Well, come to find out, um, I was so sick as a child and really couldn't eat a lot. I got down to like five pounds, 10 ounces, and they, they didn't know if I was going to make it. Um, which I guess five pounds, 10 ounces, like plenty of babies are much smaller than that. But that was like, because I couldn't eat basically. So anyways, my therapist was explaining to me, like during that developmental stage is when like serotonin is developed in the stomach, which also helps with um, giving your brain function a floor and a ceiling. Um, So serotonin helps to regulate kind of like the, how expansive we can get emotionally and how depressive we can get emotionally. I cried for the first literally two years of my life. I've had stomach problems my entire life um, and, and just thought like that was my normal story, right? After talking to her, she um, kind of helped me realize like it sounds based on everything that I have been experiencing that I have like um, depleted serotonin levels and sounds like I always have. And when I was crying as a child, she, um, truly believes through deep work that we've done in working together, that those were anxiety attacks. And, um, and that's something I've dealt with my whole life that I wasn't aware of. I, you're only you, so you don't know what's normal and not right. Um, so anyways, I am now on um, some supplements because I just, my system is very system sensitive. So I don't, I don't want to go like the, um, the pharmaceutical route if I don't have to. And um, it has 
drastically changed. Like ever since I've started this supplement, I have not had one anxiety attack. Um, and I like, I don't know how to explain it, but I have like an emotional floor and ceiling now. Like my mind doesn't go to these like other places that it used to, or these deeper places that it used to. Um, I, I just feel more mentally contained if that makes sense at all. Mm -hmm. Um, so like what she was telling me is basically like my situation would be like someone who doesn't have 2020 vision and someone just saying, well, just squint a little more and you can see better. And she was like, some of this, she truly believes is like literally had to do with like my physiology. Um, so that was a very interesting thing to come to realize. And she had said like your coping mechanisms and strategies for dealing with like this chronic thing that you have has been incredible because like you could have made different decisions, you know, and, and some people who have experienced what you do have do make different decisions. And so like, I want to commend you for that. And I want you to understand what that means. And that's not the case for everyone. Like some people develop anxiety through triggers or traumas. Like I was thankful to learn that that isn't my story. I don't have, I, I truly don't have like a childhood of trauma or anything like that. I'm so thankful for that. Um, and when my parents were learning about this, they were relieved because they were like, yeah, that makes sense. Like you were such a temperamental child. Like you couldn't really eat a whole lot. You couldn't like just your system didn't operate the way other children's systems did. And now so we're getting more research on serotonin. I've done a lot of research on my own. All of the symptoms that are revealed in serotonin deficiencies were like my reality. Um, so number one is understand that our, our bodies are made to operate in a certain way. And sometimes we may have certain chemical reactions or developments that aren't, that aren't exactly right and working in our, in our favor. And that was a lot to wrap my own head around. And I don't think that this has to be my story forever, but it certainly is and has been for a very long time. So number one is like have grace with yourself and be willing to seek out help from people who are professionals and designed to help us with things that, that we are not an expert at. We don't have to be an expert at. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would tell myself is this idea of perfection is an unrealistic goal. No one's going to attain it. And so what we have to get to the root of, and I asked my husband, I was like, do you think that you have like perfectionism? things, um, which is not something I ever identified with, but now it's like, like even as a child, I had OCD tendencies because I needed things to be in this certain way. Um, I get it now. I get why I was that way. But he was like, I don't feel like I need to be perfect, but I do want to accomplish like whatever my highest potential is. There's a world of difference. One is accomplishable, like seeking mm -hmm. our highest potential. Aren't we always like working towards that? there's a lot of grace in that is my highest potential, whatever that is for me, you know, versus I want to work towards perfection, <laughs> which is not attainable. Tom and Troy at it again. I know. <laughs> so it's like, that's so good. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that, but that's so true. Like yeah. perfection is not, it doesn't really, it doesn't exist. Right. Cause what does mm -mm. that even mean? There's not a definition of what no. our, perfect is but there is a definition of just doing the best that we can yes That's really what it is when it comes yeah to like serving ourselves to to the best capacity that we can and another thing I would tell myself is we are meant to have a personal relationship with ourselves and that relationship needs to be loving and that relationship needs to be honest and we need to be willing to talk to ourselves in a way that we would the person that we love the most in the world. Like a lot of us have no problem extending grace to somebody else or encouraging them and championing them. We do not talk to, or at least I did not talk to myself in that way. And so it's like, we need to have, per, I needed to have a personal relationship with myself and honor who this person is that I was developing into, you know, and and really be proud of who that person is and, um, and be okay with making mistakes or, or falling short, which now I, I'm like changing my whole mindset on all of that, right? Like we have goals and 
a part of accomplishing our goals is making mistakes and having mishaps so that we can find the edges that we were just unaware of before. It doesn't make you unlovable. It doesn't mean that you're a failure and you should just quit. It just means, oh, there were some things I didn't know. Like, go figure. Now I do. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes the things that we quote unquote fail at in terms of getting to that goal are the very things we need in order to achieve it. That's exactly right, Chelsea. Exactly. Like, exactly. And embodying that and being willing to be human. And like, I just have to keep coming back to the concept, like the Hebrew definition of perfection is completion. So if the cracks in my story are what make me complete, then I better celebrate those. And I want to expose them. Like, I don't, I don't need now for someone to think that I have it all together or um, that if I'm not perfect, that somehow they're going to judge me and I'm unlovable. Now I know like, this is my story and whatever cracks I have that I can expose to help somebody else mend their own. Like I am here to like, give me a megaphone, you know, um, because this airbrushed lifestyle is, um, not benefiting anyone. And uh, I think the more real and honest, we can get. And I really hope that this time in quarantine has taught us that like being in our pajamas and not getting out of bed or having more snacks than we like, or like whatever the common things have been is like, yeah, we're human, you know, and there's a time to be professional and respectful of each other's time. But like, we're also human and let's celebrate that. And all of our imperfections, like genuinely, you know? Yes. Amen. That's so good. Now I was going to end on this specific like topic by asking you how you, you know, let her planning to move forward living shamelessly, but you literally just answered that so perfectly. <laughs> and I don't think I didn't even need to ask, ask you that question. Now I was just like, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, okay. Well, she nailed it. She nailed it. <laughs> so good. Uh, oh, wow. That was a lot. Um, and a lot for <laughs> everyone to unpack, I'm sure. But yeah. I'm so glad that we, or that you came to me with this today and that you're willing to share your story because like we, like we were talking about earlier, I think this is such a time where, yes, we keep talking about quarantine and how hard this has been and, you know, how, what are we doing to pass our time and what are our new routines been and when it comes down to it, like there's probably a lot of things internally being, uncovered through all of this there's a lot more time to be with with ourselves yes. with our thoughts. um not able to distract ourselves with anything external yes. we're used to because well it's not there it's non-existent right um so i hope that our listeners i'm sure they did i know they did um feel encouraged by this because yeah. i think we're all feeling it to, at least to some extent so yeah it is much appreciated so Let's wrap up with some fun stuff, I guess. Yay, yeah. We normally have our, our four questions, but I feel like those are even a little bit um, deep. So let's talk about <laughs> our, top, um, our top quarantine like things that we're doing. So what are three shows mm -hmm. that you've been watching? So one show that Troy and I landed on that is amazing, or at least we loved it, is called The English Game. I'm pretty okay. sure it's on Netflix, and it's basically about the origins of soccer. Go figure. Um, but even if you don't like soccer, the character development in this show, in my personal opinion, is incredible. Um, it's just such a – it has all the qualities of, of what you would hope in a, yeah. in a series – that's been our main one. Um, I'm trying to think of something else. We watched All American season one and two. Um, that one was really good. And I then, haven't watched that yet, but it's been on my my like maybe list. Uh huh. So I, I should probably get on that one next. Yeah, it's a really easy watch. Um, it's really good. And then there was one other thing that I think we saw. I don't know. Yeah. Those are like the two that are really standing out. Okay. I'll have to check out. I'll have to check those out. Um, 
I don't really have any new ones that I've been watching with quarantine because I've been either watching Grey's Anatomy or nothing. <laughs> um, we've watched, um, we've gone back and watched some of Shit's Creek recently though. And that is pretty Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember watching like the first couple seasons of it when it first came out and then we kind of just fell off and now there's like five. So I was like, oh, let's, let's Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Um, but a couple of shows that are like less known, I guess, that people uh-huh. haven't really talked about much is um, one of them is called Spinning Out. Okay. And it's got January Jones in it. She is the mom of this, these two daughters that are figure skaters. And she, I don't know, I think she's bipolar. Okay. And so is the daughter. And so it's like the story of this single mom living with her two daughters. And the two daughters kind of have this competition going because it's yeah. all about their like figure skating career and then how like she deals with her own mental health issues and it's a really good show mm-hmm. it's kind of like hidden in there it's a Netflix original mm-hmm. series but it, it's a really good sounds good storyline with a lot of good characters in it um the little sister is Prim from Hunger Games oh my goodness I love her yeah it's a really good show um, and then the other one, we finished it a while back, but it's called Lock and Key. You were telling me about that. Yeah. It's like really weird sci-fi-ish, but it's got like okay. a little bit of Stranger Things vibes. Um, a little like true crime-ish kind okay. of, because there's a little bit of a, a murder mystery behind it. But basically it opens with this family and the dad is like a high school teacher or counselor or something and he gets murdered by a student and so they um pack up everything and they move to like across the country to his family home and inside the home are all of these keys that the children discover have all these different abilities of like going into different realms and stuff which sounds so weird like when I explain it but it's so it's cool. Show. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's wild. So we watched, I think there's like 10 episodes and I think we took like a Sunday and watched like the whole thing. Wow. <laughs> From start to finish, which. <laughs> Those are the best days. Those are yeah, the best. <laughs> you know, not our best. Not your typical. Moment, yeah. You know, it was just shameless living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of those days. Those would be my picks if you guys haven't watched those yet. Um, and then lastly what have been your go-to quarantine snacks because obviously that's something we have to talk about yeah I have made banana chocolate chip pancakes every day almost of quarantine with the exception of today (laughs) yes I love that and I've had like like I'm like they're huge like like the size (laughs) of my face and I'll have at least two if not three um and that keeps me pretty full for the majority of the day Um, and then we'll usually have like a a pretty big dinner, like just a giant salad with like delicious veggie burgers. And I mean, there's Mm. been no shortage of calories over here. (laughs) I've loved every minute. That sounds so good. Yeah. We've been, um, definitely eating a lot of frozen pizzas along the way, especially Mm -hmm. throughout like the move and everything and whether there's a few nights that we were like back and forth between the old place and this place and yep. unpacking and bringing things over. And so definitely a lot of pizza. Um, Jordan went to the grocery store the other day, which normally I do all the grocery shopping and he got, um, I've never, I haven't had these since I was like a kid, but you know those Keebler cookies that are like the fudge. Ripples? Oh yeah. I don't even remember the last time I thought of those things. Me neither. Where it's like the little men. Yeah, but they're they're the cookies are like round, like wafer. Uh, oh, um, oh wait, wait, wait! I know what you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I it's got exactly. like the bottom is chocolate, and then the top has like stripes <gasps> chocolate on the yes. top. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I saw him eating yes. them this night, and I was like, "Did you buy those?" And now I like can't stop eating them. So so uh, good. I was like blast from the past childhood. I forgot about those. They also have them where they're like the little men in the center yes. is the fun. Yes. Yep. I, know I really liked those about. too. Yeah. Those are good too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I've been eating a lot of hummus for some reason. Ooh. I've been on like a really big hummus kick lately. Yeah. We've always got that over here. Mm. I'm just, and I was especially this morning. I don't know why I was making coffee and I was like, oh, I just, 
wish I could go get a latte at, you know, Casa Blanca. Yeah, I know. I miss Casa so much. Or one of our favorites. Same. Hopefully sooner than, than later. Yeah. Like, something's got to give at some point, right? Like, yeah. Are, we can't live like this forever. That's right. I'm feeling hopeful about the beginning of May because they said they've originally said April 30th. They haven't pushed that back. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping May 1st we can uh, start to slowly filter out into the world again. Right. I know it's going to be a, another slow. Crescendo right. Yeah. Back out as, as it was to shelter us in. But yeah. I think, gosh, I'm just every time I start to spiral mentally into like feeling that trapped feeling and like, yeah not um feeling control or like knowing when this is gonna be over I just keep coming back to like okay no matter when that is it's gonna be so amazing because every single thing we do is gonna be like a thousand times more exciting a thousand times more fun seeing people is gonna be like the craziest thing in the world like I just keep envisioning that's right it's gonna be like that's right that's what we're gonna have to keep keep holding on to it'll be really fun yes well thank you so much thank you chelsea thank you all for listening um don't forget to leave us a review again you got plenty of time we're we're not doing a whole lot else so (laughs) no excuses i know we tell you to live shamelessly but like come on now Um, (laughs) it's time right Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Chels. This is awesome. Thanks, everybody. We love you and we'll talk to you soon.